This is All Things Therapy, where we are changing consciousness one conversation at a time. And I'm Lisa Tahir, your host. Hello, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Tahir, your host. And in just moments, I have such a unique guest for my show. We are going to be with a world-renowned acting coach, film and stage director, author and teacher. Michelle Danner is with us today. And before I bring her on, I just want to let you know, I hope wherever you are, that this show finds you well. And if you are looking to work with a therapist, I am available. My website is nolatherapy.com. It stands for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy, reflecting my two favorite cities on the planet. I live in both New Orleans and Los Angeles. Today, I am coming from New Orleans, where it is hot and humid, but really beautiful and sunshiny, as you can see in my background if you're watching. And go to nolatherapy.com to check out everything I offer. In addition to this podcast, I have a book centered around healing through empathy and self-forgiveness, endorsed by His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama, as well as an online course teaching 20 psycho-spiritual techniques and practices that I use in my life, including meditation, how to use a pendulum to help you confirm yes or no questions, books and authors that I love, and it's all at NOLA Therapy. I really want to shift immediately to Michelle Danner because I'm so grateful for you being here, Michelle. And I'm going to bring you in the video as I'm continuing to introduce you. Michelle, you have worked for over the last 30 years with many A-list actors, both privately and on set, including individuals like Chris Rock, Penelope Cruz, Christian Slater, Chris Martin, and so many others. And teaching, I know, is one of your passions. You are also the founding director and artistic director of Creative Center for the Arts, of which Steven Spielberg said, in quote, here we have a venue that can turn out some extremely experienced, daring, and resourceful artists. And Michelle, you continue to teach ongoing classes at the Michelle Danner Studio, and you all can find her at Michelle Danner, D-A-N-N-E-R.com. And I just want to welcome you. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. How are you today? I'm great. I'm here in sunny New Jersey. I'm prepping for a feature film. And, what are um, you prepping for? Yeah. Prepping for a movie, a wonderful movie called Miranda's Victim. It's about how the Miranda rights came about. Uh, nobody's told the story. It's, it's from the perspective of the victim, of uh, the person that it happened to who was uh, kidnapped and raped in 1963 in, um, in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm. And... Um, and I'm so in two weeks, we will, two weeks from today, no, two weeks from yesterday, I will be calling action on set. We have an extraordinary cast. We have Abigail Breslin, who we all love. 
uh, for many things, but certainly from Little Miss Sunshine, she's going to play the lead, uh, Trish. And uh, Donald Sutherland is going to be in it, and Andy Garcia. Wow, wow. Yeah. So exciting. So exciting, yes. You know, Michelle, you're no stranger to doing unique and exciting things. And I didn't intend to start here, but as I hear you talking about Miranda's victim, you know, it, it I found that you are this film festival, Cinema at the Edge. It's a film festival that you run. And I did a little digging, going down a rabbit hole. And so let me just read my notes. You are currently preparing to or directing a one-person play, Norris, based upon the memoirs of the widow of writer Norman Mailer. And when I did some research about Norman Mailer, I learned about him being an American novelist with over six decades of work. He um, also, though, stabbed his wife with a penknife and did some time in jail. And I was just curious, what, what was your inspiration there? Well, I am very good friends with the son of Norman Mailer, uh, John Buffalo Mailer, who uh, introduced me to well, his mother a long time ago, who wrote this memoir, A Ticket to the Circus. Um, and Bonnie Colbert wrote a one-woman show based on this memoir. And I called Ann Archer, the wonderful actress Ann Archer, so, um, and she agreed to do it. And we started to work on the piece during COVID. Uh, we're going to mount it live in the theater, uh, but in the meantime, we're doing it as a virtual theater. It's going to launch at the end of this month, and it's called A Ticket to the Circus. And I was just, you know, very fascinated by the life of Norman Mailer and, you know, how, you know, fascinating he was. It's a slice yeah. of history. It's a slice, certainly, of American literature. There's a lot okay. that's about to happen on Norman Mailer. And because there's always two degrees in separation in life, I am yes. shooting in this beautiful hall at Mammoth University here in New Jersey. And in the same hall, they're honoring Norman Mailer, the same wow. we'll be shooting. So it's a small, small world. Okay, that's so cool and serendipitous. Yes. Yeah, so I love this project, The Ticket to the Circus. I spent a lot of time with it. And it's a wonderful theater piece that we filmed and that we're going to air, you know, in the next few weeks. And, you know, Michelle, I read that you were raised in a show business family, and I wondered what that looked like for you growing up. Well, my dad uh, was a producer, and the William Morris Agency asked him in 1965, I think, to open the very first William Morris Agency in Paris, in France, which wow. he did. And so as I grew up, I remember hiding under his desk and playing. And, you know, some wonderful actors and performers would come into his office and discuss strategy, discuss their careers. And I was playing with my Barbie dolls under his desk <laughs> and or reading because I was always an avid reader. And, uh, you know, and I had a wonderful European upbringing filled with books, mm. theater, uh, travel. So uh, that was that was my upbringing. And how did you find your way into directing, teaching, acting, and coaching? So when I was 17, we moved back to New York City, where I was lucky enough to study with Stella Adler and with Uta Hagen and some other Herbert Bergdorf, wonderful acting teachers, mm -hmm. Steven Strumpel. 
And then uh, in the 90s, I moved to LA where uh, I started to teach. I, um, I love acting. I love the process of acting. I love the craft of acting. Um, and I started to work with actors and we started to form a theater company and mount many theater productions. And then one, it, it's a stepping stone. I think one step led me to the next step, you know? I started yeah. to act. Acting led me to, to teaching. Teaching led me to directing. Direct me led me to wanting to uh, write, write my own stories. Um, so that was a, you know, it, it's, it all uh, went one into the other. But all of it is just creative and all of it is about storytelling. You know, Michelle, when I look at your work, when I look at your career and hearing a little bit about your life right now, I, I think of the word legacy and what a rich legacy that you represent. And I'm curious, how do you view legacy and what's important for you to be known for Well, and to contribute? You know, I'm the mom of two kids. I have two boys that I adore that are also very creative and uh, they're here with me as I'm prepping for this feature film. Um, they're very, very supportive. Just before I came on with you, I was auditioning an actor and they, the both of them were behind the door and came in and like, how did it go? Uh, oh, that's they're, sweet. They're just really supportive. And just to have them here with me means the world to me. Uh, you know, that's the most important thing for me at the end of the day. Uh, you know, we talked before we started, you rolled, we talked about, you know, our babies being our, our animals, which they are as well. And I've got a few of those. So between the dogs and the cats and the, and the actual babies, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think you're creative because you have to be, because it's a necessity, because there's nothing else that you can do with your life. But at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, the relationships, the people, what you were able to, con to give to the people that you love. And that is probably, you know, the most important thing to me. I got that from my dad, you know, on his tombstone is written, the most important thing in his life was his family. You know, although my dad traveled all over the world and worked with huge superstars, at the end of the day, it was always his family that was his legacy. And so I'm definitely following in his footsteps. And how old are your sons? Well, one of them is 19, the other one's 13. Um, yeah, so they're they're still young, but you know. Are either of them interested in acting and directing and and what you've been doing with your Well, life? my oldest son, the 19-year-old one, goes to USC and he studies film and he studies theater. And he's, you know, done some short movies. And of course, he has a really great film school here because he's, you know, by my side. And uh, yes. you know, I run things by him and um, yeah, he's very smart and he's a great storyteller. I think it'll be interesting to see what he's gonna do. And my other son uh, loves to write and he's also very creative. You know, I, I think that's really cool that you can support them and lead by your example, which it sounds like your father did also with you. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And what a legacy, for sure, to leave. 
Yeah, I had a great dad. He was, I remember why he was very important because he was the head of the Williamars. So he would travel all over the world. And one day I remember I was starting eighth grade and all of a sudden this black car pulls up in the driveway and my dad surprised me. He came back from Tokyo. We were in Paris at the time to take me for my first day of school. And then he got back on the plane hours later and he went back to Tokyo to finish you know, the deal he was working on. And I can't tell you what that, you know, represents for a child when they see a parent that's really busy. And I think it's important for children to see, you know, how their parents pursue their dreams. That's the biggest lesson. Yeah. It teaches them something about life and about dreams. And, but I know what that did to me, that my dad came specifically, especially to take me to school for my first day of eighth grade. But he really showed up for you in such a powerful way. And it stands out to you now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, what, what you're saying, Michelle, reminds me of an article I was reading this morning from Mind Valley, which is an organization I really love. They're putting out speakers and teachings around emotional health and well-being. And uh, Director Vision was speaking about how some of the most successful people in our world, they don't keep their passion and their business separate from their children, that they, like you were playing with your Barbie dolls under the desk, that these individuals do the same thing. They have their kids around the meetings, seeing how they live their passion and build their dream and how these children end up being successful as well by watching their parents do what they love instead of keeping them from it. And it sounds like you've been doing that with your sons as well. Well, I think it's important, you know, for for your kids to find out who you are, who their parents are. And, you know, and then you have to let them go so they, they can find out who they are. Yeah. You know, Michelle, what advice, I imagine people ask you this a lot, what guidance or direction would you give the young actor listening, watching to help them? I would say that studying is the key, you know, that might come as a surprise since I'm a teacher. But I think that the more you study, but not just study in a classroom, you study life and you study movies, you go to the theater, you go to museums, you read a lot, you just, you know, study um, and you research and you really um, listen and you have conversations. Uh, all that, I think, leads you to, to a path of getting what you want in your life. Um, so I studied when I was a teen, um, but I know that there was a part of me, I had a specific defense mechanism, that if I saw something once, I said I saw it, I got it. And I think that it robbed me from going deeper inside of my craft. So now, for instance, I see my son, you know, um, watching movies, you know, seven times, eight times, nine times, mm. and okay. gaining something very deep every single time, every layer, it deepens something in him and his understanding of art. And so what I would say is to a young person, I know that we want to get it fast and that you're hungry and that you're impatient and you have a lot of energy, but learn patience, learn to slow down. And that was something actually, now that I'm talking about it to you, I remember my dad gave me that advice. 
he said, you know, don't, don't, don't rush. You don't, you'll get there anyway. And I always notice when I drive, you know, there always will be someone who will muscularize and will beep their horn and will pass me. And then I love it when we both get to the light and yes, we look together. And so they got all upset and all, you know, and there we're at the light at the same time. So everybody got there. There's a great documentary called The Race to Nowhere, you know, which is, you know, the more pressure you put on your kids, you know, you, you don't have to let kids enjoy their, you know, so enjoy the process, enjoy studying, enjoy learning. You don't, you don't have to rush. I think that's really beautiful and important feedback because I think we, we want to get to that destination, but sometimes we're not even sure what it is and miss the whole process and the enjoyment that I hear can be inherent if we do slow down to really listen, like I hear you saying. Yes, that's right. So I'd love for you to talk to us about your book you have coming out called The Golden Box. Yes, well, now I had to put a pause on it because, like I said, I'm here figuring out my shot list and final casting choices for this movie, which is a huge movie. It's got like 40 parts. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, I have a book called The Golden Box that I have kept working on, uh, which, you know, when I'm done with this and I go back and I take a breath, I'm going to reread it again. And I'm sure that I'll have more to add to it. That's the thing that always is flabbergasting to me in terms of craft both when you edit a movie or when you write something, it's just that you could write it and you could be happy with what you wrote or you can edit a scene and go, hmm, very good. And then you can go to sleep and you wake up the day after and you either read or you look at something and you go, what was I thinking? And yeah, you know, you keep adding. I mean, that's the definition of process, you know? Uh, process takes you down different paths. Um, so again, it, I think it boils down to take the time to just be patient, you know? Um, so by the time that book comes out, I will have given it plenty of process. Yes. You know, and that raises a question, Michelle, how do you know when you, you know, edited the scene to where you really want it to be? Is it an intuitive feeling in your body or how do you know and decide? You know, at, um, at a certain point, you have to just let it go. I think, you know, you put in all the work and you have to release it. You have to birth the baby. Uh, it's yes. you, know, you have to, yeah, because you can, that's why a lot of directors, including myself, probably once you've spent a lot of time with a movie and you've released it, you don't look at it again. You're like, because if you okay. look at it, you're going to see things that you might've done differently or changed. And there's no point, you know, it's the best that it could have been in that given moment. And you've got to let it go and move on. That makes so much sense to me. Yes. So, and that causes me to think about your film, Bad Impulse, the intense horror thriller that was released in 2020 and available on all platforms. Will you share with us about that? Yes. Well, that's a movie that was written by Jason Chase Terrell. It's about a family and what uh, someone will do, you know, to the extent of which they'll, what lengths they will go to, to protect their family, which is, something thematically, of course, that speaks to me. And that's why I wanted to direct it. It's got a little supernatural in it. It's got a little horror in it. It's a psychological thriller. Wonderful cast, Grant Bowler, Sonia Walger, Paul Sorvino. Um, just a great cast. Uh, love everybody that worked on it. Um, 
and uh, it, it's apparently edgy and scary and yeah. fun. And that's a movie that's out. And then, uh, and I have another movie that's going to come out called The Runner. Uh, with uh, I saw that trailer. Yeah. Yeah, great cast. Uh, Duarte Lipona, Elizabeth Rome, Eric Balfour, Cameron Douglas. Uh, so that's going to come out in a few months. Very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. And Michelle, just in thinking of your your life, your career, I am sure you have so many stories. And I wondered if you'd share with us a couple of maybe some of your favorite stories that you cherish in addition to your father, because I feel like he's really with us today in this show. Just some memories that you look back on and and feel really fond of in a in like a humorous way or in a deeply moving way. Is there anything that comes to mind? Oh my God, there is so much that comes to mind. Um, well, my dad like was a producer, so he produced a lot of things. And I helped him when I was 17 and 18 and 19. So when I was 18, he put me in charge of a show that played in Colombia, uh, in Cali. Uh, it was the village people. If you remember the village people. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in charge of, you know, basically, what was I like? Like the manager, the, the road manager. Uh, I was young, but um, so he left me in charge. He went to promote something in Europe. And here I was and unbeknownst to us, the people that bought the village people for the night, the concert, they were, it was like uh, narcos. You know, <laughs> everybody's got a little vial of cocaine on the table and yeah. high, and no one was paying. So then I, you know, when they took me into a room and I said, well, you have to pay. If not, they don't go on. They don't perform. And uh, and they didn't want to pay. And oh my God. I, you know, maybe I saw a Barbara Stanwyck movie, but I had a red dress and I was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I took a puff of my cigarette and I went, oh no. I said, you have to pay because if you don't pay, they have orders not to perform. And all of a sudden I hear like, you know, shotguns being, you know, noise. Uh, they're trying to intimidate me. They're bodyguards. But I was completely oblivious and, you know, just in another world. And because uh, I think like this would ever happen to me today, I'd run. I would just run. Yeah. Instead, I just leaned against the wall with my cigarette and I just went, oh, no, you've got to pay. They won't perform. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they ended up paying. They ended up paying. So I thought that was, you know, I, I think that uh, my life at a certain point flashed in front of my eyes. Like I could have died that night. Yes. <laughs> very very oh easily. You had big balls, for lack yeah. of a better term. I was bold at 18 What years did your father old. say when you told him the story? I yelled at him. I said, how could you put me in that position? Are you crazy? I almost risked my life. I almost died. But, you know, I was able to get it out of them. Wow, Michelle. I, I'm he curious, is there anything else? What's that? He was proud. I bet he was proud. I hope you're proud of yourself. That took a lot of guts. Yeah. You know, Michelle, any last thoughts that you have for us? Um. You know, thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, I'm very excited. You probably can tell with this movie I'm about to shoot. There's always an excitement, you know, when you're getting ready to tell a story. Uh, and I, I was talking earlier on um, about how some stories need to be told. And some stories need to be told for entertainment purposes. Mm -hmm. But some stories really need to be told. And this is uh, a particular story of a woman's courage. 
uh, a woman that that stood out, stood up and 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 spoke. Uh, it's so difficult, you know. Uh, we end the movie with a postscript about so many women get raped and so few of them come forth to tell right. to tell their story. Uh, so I, I feel privileged, you know, to do this and uh, and for every story that I've ever told, and you know, I I'll continue uh, telling stories until you know forever, hopefully. This, I feel the excitement with you about to start Miranda's Victim and the importance of it. And I really appreciate the time you've taken Thank to you. show up today and share some of your story and your sons and your father that I just really feel with us, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank I you. I appreciate you. Yes. Have the best day and best shoot. Same to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That concludes today's show with Michelle Danner. Again, find her on Michelle Danner, D-A-N-N-E-R.com. I send you all my love and I'll be with you next week. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review All Things Therapy on the platform you're listening from. And let's connect on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at NOLA Therapy, the abbreviation for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy, reflecting my two favorite cities. And let's keep changing consciousness one conversation at a time.